morning. And the reading today is from page 940. It is Matthew 25, uh, the parable of bags of gold, verses 14 to 30. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who caught his servants and entrusted him his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then when he went on his journey, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done. Good with few things, oh, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So, he, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For those who have, have will be given more and they have, will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Shall we pray? Lord, open our minds and our hearts to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. So what are your gifts? What are you good at? After reading today's passage and reflecting on the theme of generosity and gifting, I was led to consider what my gifts are. Several cups of tea and a Mars bar later, I typed the question, what are your gifts, into Google, and it came up with a handy quiz. I'll share some of it with you. Question one. You see a baby squirrel that has fallen from a tree. It's injured. Do you take it home and nurse it back to health? 
Say a quick prayer or send positive thoughts, hoping it will be okay. Or do you think that's sad, but go on your way? Needless to say that by the time I had got to question 29, I felt like I had done enough procrastination. If you were to go away and look at that quiz, and I can save you some time, don't, you would see that whatever you put in, it tells you that you have a gift. There is no result at the end that says you can't offer anything. And whilst the quiz is possibly not the best way to determine your gifts, or even a good way to spend five minutes, its very existence shows that I am not the first person to Google that question. So it got me to thinking, do we find it hard to acknowledge or to recognize our gifts? And if we actually even get as far as recognizing our gifts, do we actually use them? Today's reading goes back in time to before Jesus' crucifixion, to a section of scripture where there are final warnings, prophecies, and words of encouragement ahead of Jesus' departure. He is leaving for an undisclosed period of time and is leaving the disciples to continue with the work, the stewardship in God's kingdom. The parable that we have heard is given many different titles depending on which translation of the Bible you are reading. It is known as the parable of the bags of gold, the parable of the talents, the story about investment, or the parable of the three servants. And the story serves as a reminder to us of the responsibility that Jesus is leaving the disciples with and of the serious consequences if they do not listen to his instructions. There is a message here to all of mankind, and so very much for us here today, as we think about our responsibility as Christians, and in particular, our focus on stewardship. In this parable, a rich man delegates the management of his wealth to his servants. He gives five large bags of gold to the first servant, two to the second, and one to the third. He distributes the wealth according to the servant's abilities. He then leaves for a period of time. And when he returns, two of the servants have doubled the amount that they were given. But the servant who was given the least hasn't done anything more than bury the money. And so he cannot give back any more than the money he was given. The man rewards the two who made the money but he punishes the servant who did nothing. And he gives the one bag of gold to the servant who had the most. The parable uses allegory, and as such, the man represents Jesus, the servants are the disciples, and the man's property is not to be viewed in terms of money alone, but as representative of the mission of God's kingdom. Now, on first reading, it may seem that the third servant is treated a little harshly. After all, he was only given one bag of gold to start with, and then by hiding it in the ground, he was keeping it safe. Maybe he didn't want to risk it. But ultimately, what he did was to do nothing. He didn't recognize the gift for what it was. He did nothing to try and multiply it or to increase his master's wealth. He simply put it out of sight. He took the easy option. He forgot about it. He didn't work on it. 
and in the end, he didn't have anything additional to show for it. If we received a, receive a gift from God and we ignore it or refuse to see the potential in it, then we are not doing the best job of being disciples of Christ. Many of you will have read the stewardship letter that went out last Sunday. In that letter, Paulette reminds us that it's not all about giving money and that our giving as our stewardship and Christian mission is very much about giving time and skills and talents. And our church, like any church, cannot function without the giving of these things. The gifts that God has blessed us with are there to be used for his glory. In the message translation of today's parable, it says at the end, and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. We need to take risks. If we are to be true disciples and stewards of God's kingdom, then we cannot afford to play it safe. Incidentally, there was also a reminder in the stewardship letter last week not to lose it or to bury it. So if anyone was thinking about putting their stewardship pack in a bottle and burying it on sea salt beach, hopefully today's reading has prompted a rethink on that. Just like the servants in the parable, we are called to respond to our gifts. There's, can I have the next slide, please? So there's two images on the screen now. There's the one based on today's parable, and there's another one next to it. Does anybody recognize which line of scripture that comes from? I didn't hear that. There's too many people speaking at once. It is, it is from Matthew 5, if anyone said that. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a, bush, a bushel basket. We are called not to hide those gifts that we have been given and that Christ light within us, but instead to let our light shine before others. If we're going to shine and if we're going to share what we know of God's amazing love for us and of the freedom that we have in Christ, then we need to put ourselves out there. We need to take risks. And a huge part of generosity is the stepping out in faith to use our skills and talents so that others may benefit. But first, we need to recognize what we can offer, what we are good at. And often we need others to affirm and recognize that too. Sometimes if other people don't recognize the gifts within us, we can be reluctant to use them because it can be a scary thing stepping out like that. But God has given us these gifts for a reason. Many of you will know that our eldest daughter is starting school in September. As parents, we want to encourage her and for her to know how talented she is. We want her to grow in her gifts, and of course, to do that, she has to use them. We were talking to her about all the things that she knows that she will be able to expand on when she goes off to school. And we had given a few different examples to her, and then she added, and remember, Mummy and Daddy, I'm also very creative. And it struck me how, as a four-year-old, she can easily identify her gifts, and she isn't afraid to name them. I wonder how good we are at naming our gifts. As adults, we tend to be quite good at naming the things we aren't very good at, don't we? And perhaps sometimes this comes from a place of trying to be humble, of not wanting to appear boastful. 
But God comes at this like a parent wanting the best for their child. God wants us to use our gifts to flourish. And through that, he can see things greater than we can even imagine. A book that I read recently called Living for God talks about Jesus calling on his followers to be servants. It says this has to do with both attitude and action. To be a servant is to act in humility towards others, to seek God's glory rather than personal advancement in what you do. To be a servant means to serve, to engage in works that live out the kingdom. In this way, we are called to recognize our gifts and to use them not for our own glory, to show off or to boost our egos, but to use them to give back to God. As I mentioned, often using our gifts is about putting ourselves out there in some way. It's not the easy road. And sometimes serving can feel scary. But if we stay in that safe place of not risking anything, of not pushing a door and seeing what happens, then we're simply not serving as we are intended to. As followers of Jesus, we frequently look to his ministry as a reminder of how we should behave. And Jesus never really took the easy option, did he? So whilst we are not called to be reckless and rash in our actions, we are called to step outside of our comfort zones and to give ourselves and our lives to God. Surely, as disciples of Christ, we want to be like those first two servants in the parable. We want to hear God say, well done, to us. The alternative is that we look back on wasted opportunities. And I'm fairly sure that I'm not alone in being able to think of many times when I haven't done everything that I could or should have done. Or perhaps I've tried really hard, but with my own plan in mind, rather than giving to God. That doesn't feel so great. We cannot ignore the financial element of our giving, and Keith will be speaking to us about that shortly, so I need to make it clear that I'm not suggesting we ignore the money. But the money part of this is a case of working out how much we can afford to give. We know the recommended 10% tithe, and we can do the maths to work it out, or maybe find someone more gifted than us with numbers to do the maths for us. For most of us, it's a boring job working out the finances. Sorry, Keith. But the exciting thing is what God can do with that money. Our church vision states that in five years' time, we're aiming for a greater financial commitment that will reflect more fully the involvement here, the high involvement. We need that money to come in in order to continue to do everything we do and to be able to do whatever God has in store for us next. The really exciting part is when we consider all of our gifts that we have from God and how they might be used. So back to my very first question, what are your gifts? And how can you use them here in this place and going out from this place as stewards of God's kingdom? Unlike that quiz at the start, there is no multiple choice. There is no box that you have to fit neatly into or one particular way of being. God made us all so that we are unique. And that's what's so exciting about being a part of this church. We're an eclectic bunch of gifted people. And just think, if we all commit to giving 
If we all commit to giving ourselves, to giving our gifts, and to putting that effort in to give back the best we can to God, then just think of all the amazing things that could happen. So maybe it's about using a gift more that you know you have. Or maybe it's about listening to the still small voice telling you where you should be using your gifts. Or maybe there's more of a big neon sign approach going on for you. Whatever you can offer, and wherever you are in your faith journey or relationship with God, one of the messages from today's parable is that the more you put in, the more you get out. We're all in this together, and there is a sense of really amazing things to come for us as a church. And God will show us this as we continue to give in our worship, in our monetary giving, and in all that goes on here. And finally, the promise that we are given in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, is that if we give as much as we can give, then God will pour out on us pour out on us in abundance all kinds of good things. There should be a slide that goes with this, please. How exciting that sense that if we give as much as we can, then God is going to pour out overflowing blessings. What an incentive that is for us to give our all and to praise God even more. So we are called to use our gifts Let's not bury them. Let's step out, take risks. And in return for using our gifts, we can in this moment only imagine the wondrous ways in which God will respond. Amen. And Keith's going to come and speak to us now. Thank you, Keith. Morning, everyone. Great talk, SJ, but you're wrong on one thing. Money is not boring. Money is exciting because we can do exciting things with it. And the ministry and the work and the vision of this church can only happen if we're generous with our money and we've got the resources to do it. So things like the children youth ministry, um, the work with families, that only happens because we provide the resources for our church to do those things. So... You're asked at various times, can you be generous with your time? Can you be generous with your skills? Today, I'm asking you to be generous with your money. And at the back table, there's a white envelope like this, which should have your name on it. If you can't find one, there's some blank ones. So uh, all the information will still be there for you. It's a pretty thick pack. And inside, there's a lot of information And it's split into two lots, really. Things for you to read. So there's the why and how of Christian giving, some information on leaving a legacy. There's a nice booklet on the money and financial matters of this church. And then there's some things for you to do. So there's a yellow form for you to re-pledge what you give to the church. And that's really important because it enables us to plan the ministry as we go through the year so please with that one don't be like the third servant and hide it away this is the one that has to come out Um, and we've given you a nice little envelope to put it back in Um, if you're filling in gift aid there's a gift aid form and also importantly there's a white form 
which goes to your bank to tell them what you're giving to us. Now, there's many ways to give uh, to the church. We do like um, the regular giving, the standing orders. Um, that's our preferred method, but there are many other methods. Um, the important thing is that you fill in the yellow form and let us know what you're doing. And we would be um, really grateful if that could be back next Sunday at the latest, so then we can collate them and we can start again our planning for the coming year. So please don't be that third servant.